you know, sitting here across the table from you feels as like it's been a lifetime. Actually, I thought the time went very fast. <laughs> well, what some has of it been three, here? three weeks? I don't know. It's been three or four weeks. Three or four weeks. I think maybe three. But I missed you. Oh, and I missed you. I'm saying that to the audience. I missed you. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh Michael, I missed you too. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back. No, you're supposed to say that to me. Hey, welcome back. Oh, it's good to be back. Welcome back to all of you, too, to the 23 Podcast. We did take a couple of weeks off while Father Herb was away. And now we are in the month of July. Today is Tuesday, July 9th, the day we were recording this. You're going to listen to this on Thursday, July 11th. And for the readings for Sunday, July 14th. And you know what July 14th is also, besides being Sunday? Bastille Day. Correct, Bastille Day. You know how I know that? Because I I announced it this morning. When you sent me the video announcements for this weekend, you put it in the subject line. Otherwise, I'd have no idea. Oh, okay. Yeah, I knew I announced it this morning. And, of course, I'm very aware of Bastille Day because that was the... The final Jeopardy question in our last trivity, a tri- trivia night. Yeah. The question was, the topic was uh, historical objects. And it said, what object is found? Uh, I, I don't remember the, the, the way the question was worded, but found uh, given by the French. Uh-huh. At, but it's at Mount Vernon, given to Washington, and it's at Mount Vernon. And the answer was? The key to the best deal. Well, there you go. Yes. But you didn't win. No, the best deal is not standing anymore, I don't think. So the key's worthless. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot has happened in the few weeks that we have uh, missed podcasting. You were on vacation. You I, was a- on, I was in South America. I was in Ecuador for two weeks mm-hmm. and made it back safely. Good, which we were hoping that would happen. Oh, yeah, right on time. I was home. I came home. Uh, actually, I've been back for a week already. That's hard to believe. And then also right here at the beginning of July, uh, we had quite a bit of transition on our pastoral team here at the parish. Marla has officially retired. Uh, and I do miss, she texts me every now and then. I miss seeing her face each yes, day. Yes, yes. And, um, but now we have two new people, Hillary Freilich and Aaron Nagy, who are both working here. And we've been having a lot of fun so far. So far. And then Valeska has also retired as yeah. of July 1st. So we, we, we lost two, we took on two. And look, you and I are still keeping on. Oh, yes. Keeping on, keeping on. So as we uh, kind of round the corner into the middle of July here, we are in good old-fashioned summer ordinary time. It's like a cool sip of a cold cup of lemonade. Well, I'm drinking iced tea as we talk. I've never been an iced tea fan. Does that surprise you? Uh, Of course. If I like it, you don't. Vice versa. Is it sweet or unsweet? Unsweetened. Now, really, earlier in the year, you were really big on Le Croix. Oh, I still drink La Croix, oh. but that's, the, this, I didn't go home. I've got that in the refrigerator at, oh, at home. This, this was from, from Subway. Subway. Not a sponsor of today's podcast, by the way. <laughs> today's podcast is brought to you by the friendly folks at? Jesus. <laughs> You're right, at the church. <laughs> the, the church. The 23. Okay, uh, this coming Sunday, the 14th, we're going to celebrate the 15th Sunday of Ordinary Time. Correct. And... This is one of those gospel readings. We, we are in the year of Luke. So this is one of those gospel readings that's found only in Luke's gospel. Mm-hmm. It is very well known. Very. It probably ranks up there with the prodigal son as one of the best known uh, parables that Jesus told. Sure. And it is usually called the... 
Oh, this is where I come in? This this is where you come in. The Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan. Okay. Now, let me burst a bunch of bubbles. It's not about just being a Good Samaritan. Aww. It's about a lot of other things. It's more about racism and social justice than it is about charity and kindness. Sure. It does include that, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not just being nice to somebody. Sure. So why don't we jump right into it? And I'm going to read the first part, but I'll let you read the actual parable itself. Okay. Because there's a setting for this parable. The parable is told by Jesus as a response to a scholar of the law, which is also known as an attorney, a a lawyer. (laughs) You could tell I had no idea what direction you were going. Okay. Thank you for not making me answer. This is chapter 10, same chapter we had last week. There was a scholar of the law who stood up to test Jesus and said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man said in reply, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus replied to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But because the man wished to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man fell victim to robbers as he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. They stripped him and beat him and went off leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road, but when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite came to the place, and when he saw him, he passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan traveler who came upon him was moved with compassion at the sight. He approached the victim, poured oil and wine over his wounds, and bandaged them. Then he lifted him up on his own animal, took him to an inn, and cared for him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper with the instruction, Take care of him. If you spend more than what I have given you, I shall repay you on my way back. Which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the robber's victim? He answered, The one who treated him with mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Okay, so there's three ways of looking at this. Are you ready for this? Number one. Number one is the kindness that the Samaritan man showed. Sure. And people go at length to explain why the priest and why the Levite uh, did not even cross the road. And it had a lot to do with if you were around somebody who was bleeding or wounded or dying, it made you unclean unclean in the the liturgical sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And so if they were on their way down to Jerusalem, they were going to the temple, so they couldn't afford to do that. Hmm. So people spend a lot of energy on that. But that's not the main thing. Its main thing is that these are people that are supposed to represent all that is good and holy, but they fail to do anything. Sure. And then, of course, the, the Pharisee himself. Now, that leads us into step two. Step two is what is a Pharisee? And who is the audience of this story. Luke's gospel is the only one who includes the story. Luke's gospel was written basically for the, the outsiders, mm-hmm. the non significant people. It include the audience included, uh, Samaritans, 
it included people that felt like they didn't belong. Mm -hmm. A good Jewish person, say from Matthew's gospel, would be outraged to hear this story. They would throw the book across the room. Yes. How? By the way, I've done that with a few books I've read that I didn't like. I I've, felt that way about a book I finished yesterday. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> it was the book I wrote. Thank no, you. No, it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> and, anyway, so uh, the whole idea is that the Samaritans were not considered pure. The ancestry is during the great Capito Cap Babylonian captivity, mm -hmm. when a lot of the Jewish people had been removed from their country into foreign countries. Of course, some of the Jews stayed behind, mm -hmm. and some of them intermarried with the pagans. Those became the ancestors of the, of the Samaritans at the time of Jesus. Got it. So the Samaritans were not of pure blood. In fact, they did not even worship in Jerusalem. They worshiped on the mountain. Now, the geography of the country at the time of Jesus was Jesus lived in the north country, which was Galilee. Samaria was in the middle, and Judea, where Jerusalem was, was in the south. So they would have to pass through? Well, yes, they would have to pass through Samaria. And obviously Jesus did at times because we have the story from John's gospel when he stopped and he talked to the Samaritan woman at the well. Mm -hmm. However, some Jews were so, so strict on themselves, mm -hmm. they would literally cross the Jordan River to go outside of Samaria to go south and then cross the river back. Well, didn't we just hear, I'm, I'm going back to the, the gospel reading from June 30th, where they wouldn't let Jesus and the apostles into the Samaritan village, and that's when yeah, they said... So, so it goes both ways, and that's the whole thing about, uh, shall, shall I uh, call down fire? Which is one of my favorite parts of the gospel ever. You like that. I do. You're such a violent person. I, <laughs> I just like calling on fire. It's a song. It just yeah. happens. Well, uh, so, so in this story... The hero is a Samaritan. In other words, it would be akin to me telling a story where somebody's injured along the highway and some of our congresspersons or governors or religious leaders come by and do nothing. And then maybe an Al Qaeda representative comes and heals the person. If I tried to tell that story from the pulpit, people would be outraged. Sure. There's always a modern day take. I mean, the human condition hasn't really changed a lot in 2000 years. It's just different yeah. names and different faces in different places. Yeah. So it's really a story of racism more than charity. Hmm. And it's, it's a, a real challenge to say, why do you assume all people of this race are bad or all people of our race or our religion are good. It's it's more than the words or even their, what they belong to. It's how they behave. You know, our country has obviously still a lot of uh, roots in in racism and you know the politics that surround that and the judgmentalism that surrounds that in, in the news or whatever you may see. Um, and there's all kinds of uh, red flag words. Oh, of course. You know, I I always want to just kind of sit back and say, <laughs> and this is so elementary, but like, why can't we just all get along? You know, and it's so easy for me to say that. I get that. But like, sometimes it just seems that, that simple. And, and I think part of it is because people are threatened, that they always feel like they have something to lose. Mm -hmm. You know, those people, 
one of my sisters lived in LA for a while and she would go out walking every morning and she would meet people and usually other women who were walking their dogs and they'd walk a little bit and she was kind of doing an informal study and and she would listen to what they were she would kind of pump them with questions like how do you like the neighborhood and stuff and invariably it came back is this would be a good place to live except for those people and the those people that people had in mind mm -hmm. were different for different people and some of the those people were the very ones that she talked to on different mornings that referred to the first group as those people so everybody was saying my way of life is being lost because of someone else sure and it, it's a I, I hate to say it, it's a human condition but it's a lot of fear and a lot of bias but it's always tied up with the fact that we feel so insecure in just being human. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, when you talk about even at a, a level that doesn't maybe take race into consideration, but just, you know, you look at bullying in school, you know, for somebody to put down another person is usually because the person that's doing it is wounded themselves in some way and they're trying to cope and make themselves well, feel better. Yeah, bu bullies are usually pretty insecure people themselves. Probably right. the best example of the bullying is back to the future the original one remember the guy who's the the bully i thought you were looking for a bible story and no, then no, you came no. up with michael j fox yeah the the other character but you know he was the bully oh what was uh, his until, name until they go back and change history and come back and then he's then he's the one that's yeah what was his name i'm googling. i don't know i'm googling I, that was biff 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 yes he's the main antagonist yeah okay now I said there were three. So the first thing was, it's a story, uh, it's a story of charity. Second yep. was the story of racial justice and acceptance. The third one, though, is the part that I read of the gospel. That's why I chose to read it. It's a, it's a story about the attorney, about the lawyer, mm -hmm. the man of the law. And he's all about having the right answers. Hmm. And, you know, he doesn't come off especially well, unlike all the modern-day lawyers that are listening to this. Uh, he comes off as kind of like, I just want it my way. It's from the beginning. He doesn't want to know truth. It says he stood up to test Jesus. He can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. See what I did there? I know. That's very good. What was that movie? I don't remember. Isn't that a, uh, a few good men? I think it might be. Yeah. Wait, well, we got to Google it just to make sure <laughs> you can't handle the truth is from... A Few Good Men, hey. 1992. And that was Nicholson, Jack Nicholson said yep. that. You yep. can't handle the truth. Good times. Okay, but he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So it's, again, it's all about him. What do I get, you know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And so he's, Jesus says, well, do you know the law? And he says, yes. And Jesus could have stopped right there, but the man, the man of the law, it said to justify himself, he tried to quibble with it. You know, it's like tear the words apart. Well, just who is my neighbor? You know, love your neighbors yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Mm -hmm. And then Jesus tells the story as an answer. Stories are so powerful because they, they reach where simple words do not. For sure. Now, my question is, was this man converted? Well, I mean, the... the um the the quote from Jesus at the end is kind of a mic drop moment. 
you know, because he, he gives him the answer. It well, is a mic drop, yes. The one who treated him with mercy, and then Jesus says, well, go and do, go go and do, and do it likewise. likewise. And so, did he go and do likewise, or did he say, that's not what I wanted? Not what I wanted to hear today. Yeah. This is going to be in your book, your part two book? My part two book. What happens next? And what do you think happens next? I think he's, he leaves pretty confused. I, I think he's... He says, I'm now on the spot. I either listen to this man or I just forget the whole thing. And I think that's really what, what conversion is all about. Mm-hmm. We, we, we come down to it where you can't have it both ways. You either say, I'm going to go and follow the master. I'm going to put myself into it. I'm going to give it my entire ability of commitment or it's too much for me. You know, it's interesting as, you know, we look at these stories from the Bible and the interaction that Jesus had with people. And obviously Jesus's words had the power to change things. His actions did. Uh, the way that he encountered people, you know, changed lives around him. Obviously it changed our lives eternally. Uh, but even then there were skeptics and doubters. And, oh, totally. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we look at our modern day situation. We know that, you know, well, if we only had everything through the lens of faith, if people could just easily believe, but even when they could physically see him, it was still difficult. But to in do many it, ways, it was harder. I think I, I'm pretty uh, kind to the people in the Bible time because I think it's it's easier for us because we have the centuries of great men and women and people of profound faith and good mind and intellect mm-hmm. choosing to believe. So we have. Uh, a whole communion of saints to rely on that they chose well, so we're not doing it individually. Sure. I think back then, the pressure was on, you know, this guy looks just like everybody else. Mm. Is he really different or not? Sure. But I want to go back to to that moment uh, for the, the man of the law. He He was being given an opportunity to go from words and answers like answers to questions, Mm -hmm. to action. And so I'm thinking that this is weekend's all about from answers to action. You know, it's easy to have the right answers. You go into a debate, you have to have the right answers. You're prepared. You take an exam, your comprehensive exam for your, your master's degree or doctoral degree, and you've studied like crazy for years. Uh, You have to have all the right answers. Mm Mm-hmm. But in real life, it's not about answers, it's about action. Oh yes, we have to know what's right and wrong, but ultimately it's not just what we say or write down, it's how we live it. Well, wouldn't wouldn't our parish be incredibly boring if this was just a place where answers were held and no action took place? Yeah, now you didn't grow up with the, the Baltimore Catechism, but the Baltimore no. Catechism that was part of my my education in grade school was all about questions and answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, who made you? God made you. Um, why did God make you? God made you to love, serve him in this life and to be happy with him in eternal life. And it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. And these were very good questions, very profound, but it was all questions and answers. Mm-hmm. But you couldn't stop just by having the answers. You had to learn how to apply it, let it transform your life. Well, even though I didn't grow up with the Baltimore Catechism, I would still say growing up, uh, in Catholic education, and it could have just been, you know, my... And by the way, it's not just Catholic. Uh, you know, the big, some of the great 
catechisms of all time came from other religions. Mm. Martin Luther, you know, he published a huge catechism. Sure. But, I th- you know, for me growing up, I think religion a lot of times, and I've heard this from many of my peers, that religion was, especially in Catholic school, just another subject that we studied for. So it was about having the the right answers for the tests so we can maintain our GPA. But it wasn't always necessarily a place where we were forming a relationship with somebody that because of that relationship and because of the faith in Christ, it in some ways made us want to change the way that we acted or the way that we affect the world. But even take what you're saying, having a relationship, a healthy relationship does change action. Mm -hmm. You don't say to somebody, you know, I am committed to you for life. I am going to marry you and then behave differently. You know, the, if there's a relationship, you live that commitment. Sure. And, uh, it, it's, it's like a daily happening. This is exactly, I mean, right before we sat down to podcast, I was posting, uh, to the parish social media, just a inspirational post for the day. And the whole idea was, uh, every day we wake up to make the decision. If we continue to pick up our cross and follow Christ, it's not a one-time decision and then we're good to go for the rest of our lives, but it's a daily choice to follow him and continue believing and to walk in his footsteps. It is a daily choice, but everything's a daily choice. Sure. I chose to get up and come to work today because I I knew that you would be mad if I didn't. No, it wasn't even that. You (laughs) you came because you wanted to see me. That's true. (laughs) Yeah. You know, with two weeks with you gone, I have to soak in all the time I can get now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I saved up a lot of good material over the last couple of weeks. Punchlines? No, just good stories. You're going to hear a lot of stories in the next few weeks. Oh, my. All right, everybody. It's so good to be back with you on the podcast. We are going to keep going through the rest of the summer and into this fall. So check back each week on Thursday mornings for a new episode. And God bless you.